This is HR in Review, a podcast dedicated to HR thought leadership, actionable advice and all the latest developments in human resource management. Welcome to another episode of the HR in Review show. I'm your host today, Bill Bannum, and my guest joining me today is Ian Knowlesworth, influencer, employment futurist, business and personal growth coach in the recruitment sector. He has proven track records of aiding businesses and individuals to achieve and very often exceed their growth ambitions. Ian, it's my pleasure to welcome you to the show today. Thank you very much indeed, Bill. Good to be here. Really appreciate it. So beyond my reintroduction there, Ian, why don't you take a minute and tell our listeners a bit more about yourself? Okay, so um, I've been in the recruitment industry mainly on the agency side of the managed service for uh, 37 years this year. There you go. Um, And during that time, I've worked for uh, recruitment agencies, a small, medium size. Uh, I did IT recruitment contract permanent. I've worked in the UK, across Europe, or mainland Europe, I should say. Um, and in the latter part of my career, I got involved with some fairly major organisations running uh, mission critical uh, recruitment campaigns, working for central government, uh, DWP. We did a really big uh, business critical, politically critical project Um for them. And then 10 years ago, I left. In fact, 11 years ago, I left Hayes, um, set up my own uh, training, coaching and consulting business. Um, nowadays, I work very much with recruitment business owners, businesses in the recruitment sector. So not just businesses doing recruitment, but businesses servicing the recruitment industry, delivering software, finance, back office systems, those sort of things. Um, and work very closely with helping leadership people. And in fact, I coach people right across the globe from Melbourne, Brisbane in Australia to West Coast of the United States, San Diego and San Fran. And so some days my day starts at six, seven in the morning. Sometimes it goes on to six, seven, eight o'clock at night. Um, And yeah, that's me. That's very much what I do now. This edition of HR in Review is a special guest episode brought to you in partnership with our friends at the North American-based HR Chat podcast, a podcast focused on interviews with HR, talent and tech experts. Thank you very much. I can certainly relate to those uh, those silly hours, but you know what? We live in a global economy and uh, talent pools are bigger than they ever, they've ever been. In fact, we're living through this extraordinary great resignation, of course, Ian. Have you ever seen a time quite like this? The shortest answer is no. Um, I think the last 10 to 15 years in the recruitment industry have been unique. Um, the French have a saying, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Um, and I think that has is very, very true about recruitment. There are a number of constants that remain the same right the way through the 35 years. And... You know, we've been through recessions, we've been through downturns, we've been through, you know, feast and famine in talent world. Um, And that's probably why I love it so much, because once you've learned the basic skills, working with a large organisation, helping them solve those talent problems is is what makes the job so interesting and rewarding. And, you know, it's not about money. It's about, in my case, transforming people's lives in recruitment terms. It's about helping people to change their lives. So, yeah, it's not, I'm not seeing anything that is anything quite like this at all, Bill. 
Me too, Ian. Me too. But that's because I'm only 21 here, right? Very tough. Very tough. Okay, so you provide coaching for recruitment business owners, Ian. What What are some of the biggest opportunities and challenges for them over the next 12, maybe 16, 18 months? Okay, so for the UK audience, it will be very much around, you know, global Britain. And I would be saying to all recruitment business owners who are UK centric, they need to be looking outside these shores. United States, Canada, huge growth markets, Australia, Far East and also mainland Europe. Um, there are a number of businesses now that can allow support you while you grow. So it's not worrying about legal legislation over there, paying people. There are lots of organizations that can support you doing that. Um, in terms of the working platform, I know I've worked with teams in the UK that are servicing the entire American uh, market. In fact, I currently coach a guy who's got a business in Northern Ireland and all of his clients are in the United States and Canada. And he starts his day at 12 and he finishes at seven, eight at night. Um, I work with a team in the northwest of England in Manchester who were doing that in the IT sector. They once they got to a critical mass, they then opened an office in a WeWork in downtown New York, uh, just off Wall Street. And they, they're now very, very successful over there. Equally, I've done the reverse when I worked for Hayes. We've opened businesses in Europe and supported our European um, colleagues whilst they grew their IT businesses. So IT was definitely a sector. But at the moment, you know, I, I, I'm working with fairly large engineering businesses that are placing hundreds of workers in the Gulf of Mexico, in Venezuela, in Norway in the Middle East. So, yeah, that's that I would say was one of the biggest opportunities for people right now is to start thinking global. Um, I'll, I'll be totally candid and upfront. I think I believe the UK recruitment market is probably the most sophisticated um, and competitive market in the world. Um, and we have an industry that is very, very good at recycling people that become displaced from work. Why not subscribe to the premium version of HR in Review? You'll get ad-free content, early and extra episodes and more. Even better, although it's the premium edition, it's absolutely free. Sign up at hrreview.co.uk slash podcast. Using neuro-linguistic programming and management psychology, Ian, you teach sales relationship skills. I'm terribly interested in, in those transferable sales-related skills into such disciplines as recruitment. How can, how can new recruitment agencies use such skills to accelerate their growth? Well, the first thing to say is that, is that the type of sales I, uh, I used to coach, still coach, and uh, worked and applied with the guys that I worked with when I was at Hayes was, was about selling to large corporates. So you are, you're going into businesses and organizations that have significantly large, critical business problems. Um, and so it's a solution sales approach as opposed to, you know, the, the typical glib NLP type selling where you're manipulating the buyer. I don't believe in that at all. I think it's unethical and I would not be comfortable working with any business that wanted to do that. What I use NLP for is to help sometimes, and I regret to say, a lot of salespeople are very egocentric, self-centered, self-opinionated. I use NLP to help them understand the multiple perspectives of a complex sales uh, solution. 
So in a in a complex, if you're selling, a, I, I sold a multi-million pound uh, solution to government, foreign and Commonwealth office was one. We sold, uh, one of my teams sold a two or three million pound contract for delivery of permanent staff to NHS Connecting for Health, DWP. You don't con senior civil servants. That would be very disrespectful. What you have to do is learn to get inside their mind, learn to understand why they buy in a certain way, how they value certain elements of your solution different to a line manager, if that makes sense to you, Bill. I think as if, you, if you're familiar with NLP techniques, one of the techniques I use very effectively is what we call in NLP the triple position or um, multiple perspectives. So that means there's an exercise where you put the salesperson in the seat where they they have a meet an imaginary meeting or a remember a real meeting with a with a customer somebody they struggle to understand you then replay that meeting with them you then put them in the in the seat of the customer and refer to them as the customer and you ask them questions as though they were the customer and then in the third position they go to what we call the fly on the wall the triple position the third position and it's a very, very powerful gestalt technique. It's used quite a lot in therapy. And somewhere between seat number two and seat number three, in every situation, I'm trying to think of one, I can't, but in every situation, there is a light bulb moment. Sometimes it's a little light bulb. Sometimes it's a massive light bulb. Sometimes it's life-changing. In and, and it's probably the most rewarding part of the job for me. So that's just one example. We could talk about that for an hour and we don't have an hour, but more than happy to answer any more questions offline. Maybe come back again and talk about other stuff. So, yeah. I will take you up on that, Ian. I enjoy your company. You've got good soccer banter as well. Football banter, sorry for this audience. Okay, uh, let's talk a little bit about HR and, yeah. and their, their role, because this is an HR podcast, and, and their role in, in attracting talent. I'm not going to say top talent, Ian, because any talent these days right now um is is better than none i think uh you know there are there are forecasts uh just a couple of days ago in, in the uk on the bbc and elsewhere saying that 20 percent of employees will be on the move in 2022 so you just got to get who you can get right now um how, how can hr do a better job of projecting their company's brand well it's interesting you ask me this question because i have a lot of good friends professional friends i've worked with over the on and off over the last 25, 30 years. Um, I think HR have probably got one of the, I mean, we could talk about the evolution of HR, which I find equally fascinating, um, how it's gone from when I started in recruitment 35 years ago, I dealt with personnel departments. We can all laugh about that. And you used to have a HR function. And now we're moving into the world of people. You know, you have a people officer, don't you? So, um, so how can they respond to those changes in the market? I think and how can they work? It's about collaboration. It's about finding good partnerships with your external suppliers. Um, in the same way as I use a technique to help recruiters understand the challenges of, of purchasing of line and HR, I encourage HR to put themselves in the mind of the recruiter. You know, everybody has to make a profit. Um, recruiters will sometimes go above and beyond to get you the right people in, in, in a funny way, I'm working with one of my clients to support them with a recruitment approach currently. Um, while we've been on air, a little flash had just come in from one of those recruiters who's found a candidate. So, you know, I'm in the recruitment HR role right now, you could say. And, 
and it's it's developing good relationships. You know, I'll give you an example. If you create a permanent supply, a preferred supply list of, of 10 to 20 agencies from where you're sitting in HR, that sounds really effective way. You're spreading your net wide and far across the market. You should be able to pull in all the candidates on every one of those agencies database. It doesn't work that way, sadly. If you're the recruiter, as far as you're concerned, you have a one in 10 or a one in 20 percent chance on a contingent basis of finding or filling the position and getting paid for it. So you're not going to invest very much time to find the people. Um, whereas if you give somebody a job by themselves on a sole basis, or actually you probably wouldn't do that to start with, you might give it in two or three, they've got a 50% or a 33% chance of winning it. And if they do do it the first time, you might give them the second job exclusive. So all of a sudden they can see a benefit in putting in time and effort over and above that, that amount. So that would be the single biggest lesson that I would say the HR and procurement and collaborative and category managers that I've worked with successfully. And I, I think about a HR director that worked with me and my team when I was at Hayes in the noughties when Tony Blair was prime minister. And we had a politically sensitive project to find, well, initially it was 20, but in the end it became 80 um, very senior IT professionals in the UK, solutions architects, technical architects, ITIL service managers for the DWP, and they were paying 20% below the market rate. And I'm delighted to say my team filled the jobs. It took them two and a half years, but we had to work with that HR director to overcome some very challenging processes, some very challenging IT recruitment market issues, and a whole raft of other issues, including a financial crisis that happened during that time as well. Okay. Okay. Thank you very much. So obviously at the moment it is a candidate's market. Uh, it's, it's time to make hay while the sun shines. If you're looking for a job and command higher than usual salaries, et cetera, et cetera, to try and perhaps offset some of those higher living costs, of course, that we're experiencing. Um, but it ain't going to stay like that forever. No. In fact, in fact, in May, 2022, the bank of England forecast that Britain's economy would shrink by up to 1% in the final quarter of this year and also contract over 2023 as a whole, although not over two quarters, so not technically a recession. You've written and spoken a lot about the future of the recruitment industry in the UK, of course. While we're currently seeing the effects of low unemployment and the great resignation, in your opinion, from what you're seeing from these projections, how long do you predict until the bubble bursts and it's no longer a candidate's market? It's a great question, actually. Very good question. Thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> because there's a part of me that can give you a very glib answer, but there's another part of me that thinks, you know what? I'm not even sure it's in a recruitment perspective. It's in the UK, certainly. It is going to... It, okay, it's clearly going to slow down. It's clearly going to become easier. Um, there's going to be less people hiring, theoretically. But overall... I don't know whether you know this, Bill, and maybe some of your listeners don't. The, the recruitment industry in the United Kingdom is one of the only industries in the financial recession or financial crisis recession that didn't stop growing. It, it had a low growth rate relative to its current growth rate, but it never stopped growing. Um, parts of it did, a bit like in the pandemic. You know, the hospitality recruitment sector was absolutely decimated. 
But if you're in logistics, it was, you know, make, it was, you know, best times ever, so to speak. In fact, it wasn't because they couldn't find the candidates. Um, so I, I'm not quite convinced it's ever, there's, there's a global shortage of talent, full stop. And I'm not going to just concentrate this on the UK. It's global. You know, in IT, in engineering, in the professional services, we now live in a situation where even if the physical job doesn't move from country to country, you can create remote data centers, remote development centers in, I don't know, Indonesia, Sao Paulo, you know, in Nebraska, anywhere in the world, you can create these people where the, where the individuals are. So if somebody de decides to close an IT data center down in Copenhagen, then there'll be a business somewhere in the world that will say, oh, we'll open a satellite office using, you know, virtual private networks and we'll give these people you know, all the facilities and technology they need and we'll pay them in that country and they just carry on. I mean, I do a lot of work with Cisco as a global influencer and um, I'm trying to remember the exact statistic. It didn't come on air with this, but there's a phenomenal number of people. I think it could be as high as 30% of individuals who work for Cisco that don't physically live in the same continent as their boss. I mean, that's think about that. So to answer your question, we're in a massively different time. And so HR... How does that work? Because if you're country centric, you know the laws of that country. So how do you suddenly recruit and put in place person, you know, um, a benefits package, terms and conditions, employment law in Sao Paulo if you've never even got somebody there? Fascinating. Okay, okay, then so your advice for uh, aspiring recruiters, folks who've got a, a small, maybe new, nimble re recruitment agency then in the UK is uh, look beyond the shores, be, be, be global. Don't, don't resign yourself just to UK-centric industries because you could then suffer if there is a slowdown in the economy. And there's so much opportunity with a global talent pool now in so many different sectors that why wouldn't you uh, make sure that your portfolio means you can keep finding talent wherever it is in the world and therefore avoid national downturns i guess is that fair to say yeah i think i think it is um i think the whole work work from home revolution which is taking place across the globe you know i spend as much time talking to my clients in san diego and san fran um this week about that challenge as i do to the people in in um, london in berlin in wherever um there are certain jobs that are transportable. So IT, engineering, life sciences, you know, I've just named three there. We could go on. There's a whole raft of jobs that aren't, you know, um, logistics, moving boxes in warehouses is a physical requirement. You can't offshore that unless, of course, you offshore the packaging and then and the redistribution. But I mean, you, it's possible, but it's not as easy. You can automate it, possibly. There are, we're also... Behind all of this, we've got the, the future of work, which is changing, and the automation, augmentation, automation. So certain jobs will disappear. We were talking about this only earlier today with, with somebody who, in, in the world of accounting and finance, the bookkeeper is disappearing, if not already gone. You know, I use an, a, a system called Xero. I get a feed from my bank. I, I photograph all of the receipts. The software puts it together. You know, I used to pay somebody 10 years ago to do that. That job's gone. Um, so you've got jobs changing, you've got jobs emerging, and then you've got all of this. So the pandemic, any economic downturn in the UK, Europe, US, 
wherever. I mean, China's the biggest influencer globally anyway. All it's going to do is accelerate these trends that are taking place, Bill. You know, it's change on steroids. Um, and that's what I think everybody needs to get to. And we're moving to a world with with talent without boundaries. It's as simple as that. You know, your talent will exist wherever it exists. And it may be, certainly in the UK, we're, we're seeing this movement away from the cities. If you only have to be in the office three days a week, you'll be very large number of people will be willing to travel up to two and a half hours to get into the office on those days. Or we'll go in two days back to back and stay overnight. So I'll give you some financial dynamics here. The average house inside the M25 is a three bedroom semi and it'll cost about 650,000. The same property in the north of England in a very attractive place like Cheshire or you were to go somewhere near York, would you, for that kind of money, you'd be getting a large four bedroom, sometimes five bedroom detached property, you know, in a quarter of an acre of or half an acre of land. So, you know, you don't have to be a genius to work out why families are moving out of the city. And that's a global thing. That's not just I was talking to a young lady this week who's doing the making the same decisions in San Diego. I completely support that. Uh, if, if you can have a better work-life balance and live in a more beautiful place, why wouldn't you do that? Make it happen. Make it happen. Um, and also, I, I love the shout out to Zero. Uh, I'm actually organising a whole bunch of uh, events at the Zero office in downtown Toronto over the next 12 months. Fantastic. So, uh, lovely shout out to Zero. And um, one thing I forgot to say, Bill, is, of course, you can move out to Norfolk, can't you? And you could live very close to Carrow Road. And, you know, that life would suddenly become immeasurably different quality of life would hugely improve overnight. It, it would, Ian. However, there's no motorway in Norfolk because they don't encourage folk from other places to come there. Um, but that's a, that's a discussion for another time. Um, just finally for today, though, Ian, how can, how can our listeners connect with and learn more about you? Well, uh, they can. I'm very happy that anyone connects with me on LinkedIn, but please just tell me who you are in it and make reference to your podcast. That's very important. I get literally 30 to 40 people a week trying to connect with me. Sadly, 80% of them want to sell me something. And actually, I reckon 50% of them aren't even real people, they're bots. So if, if somebody genuinely wants to connect, happily do that on LinkedIn. Follow me on Twitter. Um, very simple, at Ian Nolson um, on Twitter. Um, once they've connected, I'm very happy to talk, have a Skype, have a, have a virtual coffee. Um, you know, very happy listeners to have a coffee or good old afternoon English tea and um share share the state of the world and if there's you know if there's any chemistry there if we can help each other love to love to support you but you know bill this has been amazing today i've really enjoyed it um i sincerely wish norwich city all the best next season i'm looking forward to having them back at anfield very soon and you know i look forward to uh, connecting with all your listeners wherever they may be god bless them all and you Thank you, Ian. As a canary, we do not like going to Anfield because we tend to get spanked like 5-0. Anyway, uh, that just leaves me to say for today, Ian Nelson, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode of HR in Review. Thank you very much. The HR in Review podcast is brought to you by hrreview.co.uk. hrreview.co.uk is a website dedicated to human resources and related professionals. News items are posted daily together with analysis looking in-depth at topical HR issues. 
You can sign up for our range of specialist newsletters at hrreview.co.uk slash sign up and follow us on Twitter at HR Review or join us on LinkedIn and Facebook. Thank you for listening.